0: School PR professionals spend a week or two each year networking, if they're lucky. We pour into this professional development and the conversations drive us in our work. Collaboration is one of the best parts of our job, but then we go back to our daily work and the buzz of bright conversations and innovation starts to wear off.
1: Welcome to School PR Happy Hour. We seek to create a shared space of collaboration and an opportunity to continue those conversations long after the closing sessions of our state and national conferences.
0: We are a community, a community of communicators that lean on each other in hard times and learn from each other regularly.
1: This podcast is about just that, getting to know each other better and sharing our passions about furthering education one story at a time.
2: Hey friends, my name's Justin Deering and this is School PR Happy Hour. Before we get rolling, I want to say thank you for jumping back in with us after our holiday hiatus. Aaron had a great episode with Jason Wheeler in January. Since the last show, my family and I moved into our new home, I built out the podcast room, and we lived for over a month without the internet. Oh, and COVID came in strong to the Deering House. Luckily, my wife and kid did not have rough cases, and I never tested positive. Thanks to everyone who reached out to us and checked on us during the past month and a half. This home is amazing, my family is well, and we are happy. This episode will be a little different than any episode we've released before, mainly because I've only had internet for about three days and that's just not enough time to book a guest, interview, edit, and get it posted in time for Aaron's very strict deadline. So back in December, Aaron and I were lucky enough to join our friends and show sponsor, Class Intercom, on their webinar entitled, Surviving and Thriving in a World of School Communications. This 45 minute webinar felt more like a 45 minute coffee talk or happy hour visit. I hope there's something in this episode that encourages you or inspires you in your daily work. Thanks again for listening and enjoy this month's special episode.
3: Hello and welcome to the Class Intercom Surviving and Thriving in the World of Communications webinar. We're so excited to have you here. Um, ben Pankin and I are here in our offices. I'm Jill Johnson, um, President of Class Intercom, and Ben is our founder um, and the brainchild behind uh, Class Intercom, but we're so excited to have a couple of our favorite school PR professionals um, with us today. Uh, We have Aaron McCann from Allen ISD, and we have Justin Deering from Grapevine Colleyville ISD, both in Texas, and they are also the Founders and hosts of school PR happy hour, which has become enormously popular um, within the school PR group and beyond, and we were such big fans of the work that they were doing that. we started sponsoring them a couple of years ago, and it's just continued to grow, and we just appreciate the partnership, but also um, the great work they continue to do every day in their schools. So, Erin um, and then Justin, if you guys would go ahead and just introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit more about what your um, um, your backgrounds a little bit.
0: Sure. Well, I'll, I'll start. My name is Erin McCann, and I'm in Allen ISD, which is in North Texas. And before we start, just a big thank you to class intercom for having me and Justin on this webinar today and for your continued support of our show it really means it means so much to us. Um, Just a little bit about me. I'm the director of digital media and marketing here in Allen. I've been in school PR for about seven years, and I've been in public education in Texas for, I think this is my 14th school year. My background is in broadcast journalism. I hold a certification in public communication from Texas Christian University, and I'm finishing my master's in strategic communication in May of 2022 from Sacred Heart University in Connecticut. That's
4: awesome. Wonderful. Good and Erin, we also have to put in a plug. Mm-hmm. We've also been hearing your voice starting to creep out some other places. <laughs>
2: Tell us a
4: little yeah. bit about that. I mean, is this sure. podcast? not only is this the number one podcast in school PR, but, but, uh, but your voice is now <laughs> becoming famous.
0: Well, we hope so. I haven't actually, my first episode hasn't aired, but I do, I contribute to a podcast called 90 Degrees South, which is an audio fiction show. Um, and it's, it actually just released its sixth episode today so if you're an audio fiction fan go for it and i ha- i'm doing a little voice acting and my first episode will be in january but thank you very much for that <laughs>
1: wonderful wonderful awesome well, my name is justin deering um i am communications director here in grapevine uh, collegeville isd i guess this is year eight in school pr year 16 15 or 16 in public education Before I went into school PR, I was a video and radio teacher and spent a lot of time writing really short films with kids and producing them and trying to get them into film uh, festivals. Uh, And again, I'm in Grapevine, real close to where uh, where Aaron is. And, you know, we are three weeks from closing on a brand new house and getting out of an apartment that we're living in currently with an eight year old who's going nuts. So we're just trying to make it to the end of the month. That's right. And that's a,
3: that's super exciting news. So I know we have a lot of topics to hit today. We had um, a ton of people register and offer great questions. And so we're excited just to, just to jump in here. And my background in school, I'm a little bit older than everybody else here, but um, 30 years in public education. And one of the things I've learned so much about um, from coming to this role is is building campaigns and um and how that looks especially in the bigger school districts but when we think about bond issues um and those kind of things aaron i know that's one area that you have a lot of experience and success in and so when we think about building campaigns um uh maybe just looking at it from that that uh that big perspective first and then we'll kind of work our way down
0: sure absolutely um so when we talk about campaigns, I think sometimes when a communications team or even a superintendent comes to the communications department says, we need a campaign that can feel very intimidating because it feels like it must be this gina- ginormous, overarching thing that takes up all of your time. And, and sometimes it is, but sometimes your campaigns can be much smaller, more tactical work. So we'll get to kind of the smaller ones, but you mentioned specifically bond campaigns. Those are large scale campaigns and In Texas, I think it's this way across the United States, but I only know Texas school finance. We have to prepare a bond referendum, take it to our voters. They decide yes or no, you can spend monies on these projects. And so it comes to the communications department to market the bond proposals and projects in a purely informative way that is not persuasive. And that can be very challenging. Um, I've worked on three large scale bond campaigns. Two of those were successful. One of them was not successful. And we really learned a lot. I think it's important to look. I mentioned that my master's is in strategic communication. And that's, that's how I try to look at all of the projects that I work, kind of like looking at the research of what our community is saying, planning out everything, implementing those tactics. tactics and then evaluating the success and so that's what we try to do with our large scale campaigns is really be very intentional and thoughtful about the work that we put in what we know about our target audiences and then evaluating the success be that in a formal or informal manner afterwards
4: well and aaron you know i, I got to sit through your session at nspra uh, last summer which was wonderful to see your most recent uh, you know, major campaign was done at maybe perhaps the worst possible time yes. in history. <laughs> yes. And, and did come out successful. Can you tell us just a little bit about that specifically? Absolutely.
0: Campaign? So our district has a long history, like a hundred years, basically of success with one failed campaign in all of that time. And in 2019, just prior to me joining the district, we went out for our largest bond campaign to date. It was over $400 million dollars. And the voters said no and I think that was really quite a shock because I think our district along with a lot of other districts had just been able to kind of cruise by on that implicit trust that the community trusted us to be good stewards of their dollars to take good care of their kids and when the community said no we really had to stop and go okay but why and that's where we really jumped into the research and so we came back in the fall of 2020 which uh you may recall there were a few other things on the ballot at that time maybe the highest um, voter turnout ever in Collin County, which is where Allen ISD is. We had 48, I think, I think I'm think i close in saying 48,000 people turnout. And we passed 96% of the projects that we had. We had multiple propositions, but we did pass the majority of those. And we called that a win because the projects that we passed included school renovations, included technology, kind of the, the must need pieces for our student success. And it was very, very challenging, but we we did absolutely everything that we could think to do.
3: And Erin, I know you know when you have talked about your strategic thinking, um, you know, there's the things that you do well, but are, is there anything that you think about of what not to do or what people should avoid, especially when we're thinking about maybe the social part of that campaign?
0: Sure, I think if we're going back to that 2020 election, just for kind of the sake of example, social has never been more important. Than it was then and now particularly when we're looking at people who where we used to be able to do all of these presentations in per in person and for the 2020 election we couldn't our schools were not open we had printed up all of these big pop-up banners to put in the vestibules of our campuses and then no one was coming in so we had to get creative and we're like okay where are we going to put this like r- local restaurants like grocery stores what are we going to do and we've all seen in school PR how challenging our social media management has been over the last two years. I, th- I think honestly, always just in the roles that we have and the work that we do, we have a lot of people that have lots of things to say. It's sometimes they're relevant, sometimes they're less relevant, but it's particularly challenging when it's something that you're trying to be very targeted, you're trying to be very informative, and they, they kind of want to come at you with a lot of things that feel very opinion-based and maybe don't even tie at all to the message that you're trying to put out. We're all in this together in the trenches.
3: <laughs> That's so true. And I should just throw out, we, you know, for those of you that are with us live right now, um, I know a lot of you submitted questions, um, but if you have questions you want to put in the chat, you can go ahead and do that too. And so, Erin, um, thank you so much uh, for that. I think Justin will throw the same question out to you. I know you've been involved in um, a number of campaigns and just would love to hear um, some of your takeaways on what to do or what not to do, um, whether they're communications professionals, school leaders, teachers, um, there's there's a wide variety of com- campaigns out there. So your
1: advice would be appreciated. I, I've also worked on a few bond packages in multiple districts, but and then obviously the last two years has been really rough. Um, and there's been just being apart for so long, coming back together, but not being fully back together and then kind of not being together, but then being back together, We've had to go like really, really specific on some unity campaigns to really bring back the community of the districts that we're in. Whether it was my previous district or the district I'm in now, being separated for that long and then coming back together, you've got to. We had to remind people what it meant to be a student or be in this community, um, and we had to start with our staff because you know for. We relied on them so hard for 18 months when we were, you know, we were at home through the end of the school year, came back, but half our kids were still home and tr- they trickled back through that last school year for 2020, 2020, 2021. I have trouble saying that, <laughs> but they, uh, once we got to the summer of 21, man, our staff was ready for a break and we were like, you know, this summer, there's not a ton of content this summer. They're tired of hearing about school. Um, the, the community, the staff, everybody's just tired of hearing about school. So why don't we just take this opportunity and spotlight the fact that our staff is getting to go somewhere, <laughs> like whether it's a Ranger game in Arlington or, you know, we had somebody submit a picture from Italy. They traveled to Italy um, and we called it GCISD on the map and we started it. And we were like, you know what, we'll get like 15, 20. That'll be like one every couple days. We'll, we'll make this cute little design and and uh, and we'll just, keep a, a running map that has little pins on where everybody went, but we'll share the picture and, and, and show off where these people went. We got 275 responses. Um, there's not 275 days in the summer. We wish there was, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we got to a point where we were sharing one a day for a couple weeks. And then I was like, Hey, we got like 85 of them in here. We gotta, we gotta step it up. So the last couple of weeks, we were literally sharing five, six, seven posts a day with four pictures. We're like, sorry, we're overloaded. We didn't expect y'all to. And it went outside of just staff after the first couple of weeks. Then we got parents starting to chime in and say, hey, we took our kids to Arizona. We took our kids to California. And it was just a big unity campaign to show that we're still And it's as simple as, hey, submit a picture from your your vacation. And it worked. And we took the map and we put the map up on the Jumbotron at Convocation. And it literally was one big red dot because we really covered the entire country over the summer. And then we had like random dots over in, in, on the other side of the world because we have people that traveled everywhere. But coming back, everybody's like, are y'all going to do that again? Cause that was, that was an amazing campaign. And I'm like, that was, that was a lot of work. Like, but we now know what it looks like. So we know how to do it. We know how um, to dig down and kind of, do those things. So it's something we're looking at for this summer of something similar to it. Um, We also did some campaigns of, you know, showing some love for teachers because two years they've gone for, I mean, it's been a roller coaster of teachers are up here and then they're exhausted and they're, they're heroes and they're still exhausted. (laughs) So we, uh, we've had to do a couple campaigns where we really, we call it here, we call it GCISD Voices and we just launched it. And we're literally finding teachers that are just, good teachers and having them talk on video or giving us quote cards or something to that effect and really just giving them an opportunity to tell their story. If I go in to do a video with them, you will not hear my voice. You will not hear a voiceover. It's literally, hey, what's up? I'm Ashley Duncan, second grade teacher at OC Taylor. And here's why I teach. And it just shows her working in her class. It's a minute long and it hits and it's really like we're starting to get people to email, you need to talk to so-and-so, you need to go interview the theater teacher over at Colleyville Heritage High School, and it's, we're seeing more return on those kind of social posts and campaigns that are really bringing people together and showing um, that you know the importance of what we're doing and the importance of teachers and students and student success right now more than anything.
3: I just love, I think Ben might have a question for us, but I just wanted to point out, I love that, you know, we think about campaign, I think oftentimes we think about money, a blood drive, um, food for the food pantry, whatever it might be, and those are so important and very measurable, but I think um, it's hard to get metrics on some of those, what you're talking about, Justin, or to think about what's our goal, you know, if our goal is to get 20, but but it's amazing how social media can impact culture and then how that that culture comes full circle, because when you take control of the story that you're telling, um, it's amazing the impact that that can have. So I, I really love
1: I love um, hearing both sides of that. Well, I thought it was really cool. I think it was people started submitting early and we reached out and, and like our administrative team were like, hey, in the first two weeks, you have to send us something. And then we started posting them. And then within, like, I think people were like, Oh, they're actually going to do something with this. They're just not trying to keep track on us to see where we went. They're (laughs) actually going to do something with this. And it was like the first week we got about 15. And then by the end of the second week, we were at a hundred to 120. And then we tried to catch up and it slowed down. Then 4th of July hit and we got in one day, we got about 65 on like the 5th of July, everybody showing what they did the day before. And we came back from that week off and, Me and the other person that works on content, we were both like, uh, this is all we're doing for the next week is designing and figuring out how to share 150 photos without people being like, I'm so tired of seeing their Twitter mute. And that was, (laughs) that was tough. (laughs) I'm
3: thinking when I used to work in Milford at the high school in Milford, Nebraska, and it was a big thing to take the Milford newspaper with whatever the date was, you took the current one and wherever you visited, you take a picture in that location with with the newspaper, right? And then they put it in the newspaper, you know, weeks later. I'm just thinking of, wow, it's sort of the same and yet so much more impactful and timely.
4: Well, I I had a question. I had a question in from Jen. Uh, She's in Salina and and Jen asks, how do you prioritize this kind of messaging? Right? Like, um, and then she kind of goes on to say, um, you know, what are the best kind of, you know, messaging? How do you, how do you message around, you know, the information, the promotion, and then, you know, just stories. So how do you kind of balance between those, I, I think, three different buckets.
0: Well, I think kind of piggybacking off what Justin said there, I I think our community is hungry to know that these are people, these are humans that work here. Like we kind of became a machine for a while, an information machine with information that people didn't necessarily like, be it COVID protocols or schools closed, schools open. it became very, very kind of government speech, just drilling out information. And anytime that you can do anything like what he's talking about, where you just remind them that like these are humans and they took their kids to Disney World and look at all of them smiling and having a good time. And this teacher teaches second grade at this school. It kind of reminds people that we really are more of a partnership. We're not here to just drill out information. But on that note to your question, Ben, it does have to be a balance because we are tasked with releasing a lot of important information. So Justin, do you want to talk at all about how you balance out like
1: graphics versus warm and fuzzy posts or? Well, I, it's been an interesting semester for that Mm -hmm. Um, because we have, had some 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 things going on, and we've decided to almost go dark on social for a couple of days just because we were encountering some comments and people from all over just kind of coming and and kind of just taking over our page. But once we got out of that, it was full speed ahead, as many good stories as we could find. And yeah, we still had to share about football teams going to playoffs. We still had to share that, you know, here's how you had lunch to, lunch money to your lunch budget. Mm-hmm. Here's how, here's when the holiday stores are going to open at the campuses. Um, but we've filled those up in between those with as many stories as we could. Um, and we do that because there's always like, when we have things go on, there's like board meeting days, guaranteed the day after a board meeting, you're probably not going to see me because mm-hmm. I'm going to go to a campus and hide out and find pictures and find videos and hit five campuses in a day if I can. Um, and then we just flood it. Um, there, there is a balance. You have a requirement of things you have to share. Yes, you have to, you know, be instant on crisis communications. You have to share whatever information that you're required to share. But the way I have always thought about it is I always think of those good stories. And I'm looking at the list. There's people in this room that have heard me say this probably a hundred times. But I always think of it's like a, kind of like a savings account and we're going to constantly load up our savings account because eventually one of our tires on our car is going to explode. And then someday all four of them are going to explode at the same time. Right. And we've hopefully got enough money in that savings account. We hopefully have enough good stories in that that reputation that when those four tires explode, we're not starting from scratch. People out there in the community still trust, hey, this district is doing what's right for kids. So The balance, yeah, cover what you got to cover, but blow up the good stuff, in my opinion, just as much as you can.
0: (laughs) I want to share a little tip that I learned from our friend Andrea Gribble over at Social Schools for EDU. I had a conversation with her once, and she told me, she said, what I'm going to say may shock you, but I believe that social media is for sharing positive stories only. And I'm like, no, but she said, no, 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 hear me out. And so she just said, like, this is the place that we share and champion our children. You have other avenues of communication for kind of those drilled down pieces of information. I'm like, "Mm, okay, And I went back and thought about it. And I really, really loved it because parents are getting information from schools in a myriad of different ways. There's no reason that we can't make our social channels just an overwhelmingly positive place. And I won't say that I've 100% shifted to that, but I'm making strides to do that where people know that they can come to our channels. They will get a balance of information posts versus kind of warm and fuzzy stories, but it's always going to be positive and it's always going to be championing our children.
3: I think that's so, I think it's such a great tip. And Andrea is such a, just a, amazing human've I've admired her admired her from afar and and uh, befriended her on Twitter and then got to meet her in person at canspra down in uh, in Kansas a few weeks ago and so that was amazing but this kind of transitions into our next um next area too and we get a lot of questions on how to increase social media engagement and I think I think that tip you just shared there might be part of it you know um, but, but what would you guys say are some of your your best tips for just increasing engagement? I know people are always looking at their analytics, trying to drive up their, their followers, their likes, their their shares, whatever it might
1: be. I'll say that for us, it is, again, not to sound like exactly what I just said, we share as much as we can. We have a goal that here in GCISD, we have, I believe, 18, 19 campuses, something in that range, depending on how what you define a campus as. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a goal of sharing at least one story from every campus every week. That's, if you'd have told me that in any month, that's nuts. Honestly, there's, there's people thinking that's, that's nuts. But we have a program that I had not done before I got here. It, it's our campus liaison program. We have a team of five um, of communications professionals. And we take those campuses and we split them up. So I have five campuses. And then my goal is to visit each of those campuses once a week or find content that I can share about that campus once a week. Um, And we have set a goal of what type of content? Is it more leading towards our strategic plan? Or is it just like feel good, kids are having fun in PE type of stuff? And we have goals set for that. But the biggest thing from that is me being present on that campus. I've built relationships with the principals, assistant principals, librarians, the kindergarten class. I walked into a campus the other day and had a camera with me was going to a meeting, and the art teacher grabbed me and said, you're not going yet, and pulled me into her classroom. She goes, I got pre-K kids painting snow. So it's literally kids painting white paint on a white piece of paper, and they're having the time of their life because they're painting snow. And I was like, well, we're going to be late to a meeting. So we took pictures and talked to some of the kids. But with that program, we're building relationships. And by building relationships, those teachers, trust me, they know I'm not going to go in. I'm not coming in to find something they did wrong. I'm coming in to find something they're doing cool. And I'm going to take a picture of it, do a video of it, selfie picture of them doing stuff, post it. And we're going to share something from every campus every week. And to build engagement, having more content that features the kids and students that are the kids and teachers that the community recognizes, we automatically are starting to see more likes, shares, all that kind of stuff showing off what we're doing. But I'm also not having to physically make the trip every week because now that those teachers trust me they're texting me they're emailing me calling my office phone saying hey I've got this I took 48 pictures can you post them I was like I can post four um <laughs> so but I will take all 48 and put them into my database but it's it's taking a minute because I'm the new guy here um and now that I've kind of got those relationships and they recognize me the campus liaison program that we're doing here has boosted And brought a lot of attention, positive attention back to our social media after, like Aaron said, we were basically a governmental social media trend of, hey, wash your hands, hey, wear a mask, hey, school's closed, hey, school's closed for six months. Um, So it's been, that program has boosted our engagement and it's like just feet on the ground going and doing the work.
0: Well, I don't want to just completely echo everything Justin said, but we have a very similar strategy in Allen ISD. We, we really prioritize those campus visits. So I walk at least one campus every single week, and that's the bare minimum requirement. I have that time set aside on my calendar. Um, and what I'm seeing with people really engaging, it's never the stories that I think are going to take off that do take off. So like we had some middle school kids compete in a robotics tournament this week, and they did exceptionally well. Well, that just absolutely blew up and like i'm like oh yeah that's cool that's cool that's great but i just had no idea that those parents were just as involved as those students and so they're sharing amongst themselves and they're sharing in their community groups so the analytics go crazy on something like that and it really does go back to kind of what justin said about building those relationships with the campus principals and with the department heads and i've actually managed to get a handful of department heads like we have a very robust fine arts department The head of our fine arts department knows that if he writes a press release for me and sends me a photo, I can have that posted for him within an hour. But if he sends me a tip, depending on what I have going on that day, it may be a day, two days, three days. And he's really motivated to get his kids featured. So I get press releases from him all the time. And I'm trying to train now my athletics department to kind of balance that out. So we get an equal share, but it's like, right, send me something, send me some copy that all I have to do is Mm -hmm. make a few edits. It's going out within the hour.
1: One thing I've um, learned through the relationship building and also my history as a teacher, like I said, you know, I'm not in the classroom to find you doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I'm not in the classroom to be an added burden. Um, If I'm walking in your class and it's just not the day to do that. I'm going to be okay if you look at me and say, today's not the day. And, you know, I've been there. If you've been in the classroom teaching, there's certain days you don't want a single person to walk through the door other than the 22 that are supposed to be there. Um, (laughs) And so I think listening and hearing what the teachers are saying um, and, you know, hey, I want to feature your classroom. What would be a great day? Hey, it's three weeks from now. Great. It's on my calendar. I'll see you in three weeks. But I want to make sure I get into your classroom this year because we have that relationship. But also respecting their space. And if it's not a good time for them in the classroom, personally, things going on outside of the classroom, they're just like, I'm not my best today. We've had this scheduled for three weeks. You're not your best. When's the next time you want me to come in? When's the next time you want me here? I'll make it work. And really just supporting them, being there to be kind of a cheerleader for them. Hey, I'm gonna take all the awesome work you're doing, and I'm gonna show you off. But if today's not the day, that's great. You're not hurting my feelings. I can go to another classroom, I can go to Sonic and get a drink, I can do something, but it's okay if we need to leave here. And then sometimes you just show up with Sonic and they never want you to leave. You bring in your favorite (laughs) drink and now you're a second grader for the whole day and those are some of the best days.
0: (laughs) Justin and I are so excited to welcome back. Class Intercom as our sponsor for season three of School PR Happy Hour. Last year, we told you that Class Intercom is a comprehensive social media management tool designed specifically for schools that allows for content creation from an unlimited number of users, including students, in a safe and carefully moderated way. That's true, but did you know that Class Intercom also has a reporting feature and does complete archiving, all for one school-friendly price? To learn more, head to classintercom.com and get started today.
4: I had a question in from Tierra, who's asking about, do you have any metrics that are really important to you uh, when you're looking at social media?
1: Erin, you want to go there first or you want me to
0: go? I'll I'll try. (laughs) You know what? I feel like this is an area of continuous learning because we are obsessed with those metrics and that's how we can evaluate the success of either a campaign or a post but we have to be really careful with social media metrics because so many of them are vanity metrics and uh, i'll just go ahead and do a plug here for class intercom this feels like the right time and place that was a really (laughs) big appeal of joining class intercom was i knew if i was getting facebook analytics from facebook they could be skewing the information i was seeing for their own purposes and to use you guys, where you're managing the multiple platforms and you can give me a report that I can ask the report exactly what it is I want to see, and you've got no stake in the Facebook game. You're going to give me those true numbers. That that was incredibly important to me personally.
1: Uh, for me, I think um, the biggest metric that I look at is, let's say we re- <laughs> we release a video on Tuesday. If I'm at the Friday night football game and someone talks to me about the video, I think we did pretty good. Because, like, I mean, yes, would I love to have 180,000 followers on the GCISD Twitter? Great. That would be fun. But how many of them are engaged, really right. care, and really have a stake in what we're posting? I would more like, my metrics, less vanity, more like impact. Like, you're, ta- you're talking to me about the fine arts focus we did. You're talking to me about that teacher I talked about from GCISD Voices, or you saw that someone from Hamilton was here, and you... Didn't talk to me directly about it, but I heard you talking about it. I got email saying great story that I know people are watching it because all that's going to do is stick in their brain. And the next time that they're talking about the district, that could be something that comes out. You know, did you know they had somebody from the Broadway tour of Hamilton come and teach the kids how to sing the other day and dance? And it was I mean, I openly cried during it. I'll (laughs) admit it. It was beautiful. Um, I teared up. She sang Burn. And I was just like, I'm, this is amazing. And my kid and my wife are super jealous of me right
3: now. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. And I think, um, I think to kind of combine some of those things too. a question we get all the time is just, how do you empower others? And with so many stories to be told, and you guys have touched on it a little bit, but you can't possibly be everywhere all the time, even with you guys have solid teams, but um, how do you empower others to help tell some of those stories, um, whether it's highlighting alums, highlighting staff, highlighting specific programs, making sure that when a Broadway um, first person comes from Broadway to to uh, teach a class at your school, how do you make sure you don't miss those stories?
0: You know, well, I, I think this, I'm sorry. Um, no, you go. <laughs> I I really think it comes down to, to trust and that's like trust with the community and then also with your internal audiences and trust building is not something that someone can just hand to you. You really do have to earn it and it really does take some time, but when you've built kind of this culture of trust, they, they want to see you succeed and they know that you want them to succeed. And they're also, if they send you an article or they tell you about someone coming to visit and you come out and feature that. Well, they know then the next time that you're going to be responsive. And it just kind of becomes like this very positive circle, in my opinion.
1: Absolutely. And I think once, I mean, once the face is known, once you're on campus, and once you've connected with teachers, administrators, and students, that I mean, that's a huge part of the stories we get from our student internship program. We have the internship interns that are all over the campus, every high school campus, but they also work their feeder patterns down. Um, we, um, once there's that trust between me that, hey, I'm trying to lead you in the right direction as an intern, I trust that you are going to do your job as our student intern and taking over our social media. We have handed them the reins of Instagram in multiple districts now. It's happened again here in Grapevine, Follyville, and it's it's worked. Um, But I think the coolest thing about that is like when you said empowering folks to share their story, I think it's been fun to what it's like empower people to tell their story just the same. Um, yeah, you can, you can email me and tell me a great story and I can take that and try to turn that into something, or I can just come to you and let you do it because you can tell me I can, I can, I can push it out. And it's probably not going to be the same as what you intended. But if I just come to you, put a camera, log you into Instagram and say, go have fun. Um, you're going to get a better, more authentic story. And the more authentic it is, the more engagement you're going to get. And from there, it's just building that circle of trust that they, A, are doing what's right for kids. B, they're letting kids and staff tell their story because their stories are important. And C, we should probably support them. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that would be great.
4: <laughs> well, Justin, I want to pick on you a little bit because um, I've seen some of the video work you do. And for those of us who have looked at it, um, it's incredible work. Uh, that
1: you've done. I don't uh, feel like you're picking on me,
4: but there's a
0: button in there. There,
4: there's, there's a moment here.
0: But, it's a compliment sandwich, Justin. Yeah,
4: <laughs> but, you, but you're but you also talking about turning this over to students and other people. And I think that's that's the real tension that I want to hear from someone like yourself. Like for me, being someone who's not very good at video, I mean, it's pretty easy for me to hand that over um, because I'm like, most people can tell a better story than I can, even though I'm going to kind of bring something different to it. Like, I think what you're pointing to is that there's something bigger than even just being good at video. And so I want to hear like how that has happened for you and what that kind of light bulb moment was like, help us understand like what that looks like as somebody who's, who's skilled in this area to now hand that.
1: It's tough. Uh, 100%. It is tough. Uh, because I mean, I've been doing video work since I was 15. Uh, you know went through went through college doing video work continued to work and taught and now I'm in this role where I'm creating stories every day for our district but I think the the big light bulb moment for me was when I stepped out of the process as a teacher I would help and I would review scripts and I would go over scripts go over editing and, and at one point I said all right it's your final project I'm not here and gave him three weeks and without my thumbprint on it and me standing over their shoulders and be like, no, do this, change that. They were drastically better. <laughs> they were a lot better. And uh, it was because they were allowed to go wherever they wanted to go within the parameters of the project. And I see that with like my interns, we have one girl who came in and was like, I want to be a social media manager when I grow up. And I said, okay how many Instagram followers do you have? And she's like 200 of my best friends. And I was like, all right. So, um, we have about 6,000 and you're going to have to figure out how to talk to people that aren't your best friends, but show me some of the stuff you've done. And she showed me some of the cool stuff she had created. And I was like, all right, now let's sit down and talk about how that works as a school district. So we did a training with her and about 10 other people. And then every football game, every Friday night, she'd walk up, we'd log her in, she'd go. And I'm telling you the the viewpoint, Mm -hmm. you know, the jumbotron that I, that we run during the game is aimed at the field 90% of the time. So her guidelines were like, don't shoot football, show us the student and, and parent and community experience in the stands. And every week she told a beautiful story of homecoming senior night, pink out, uh, the last band performance before state and she just went to the band for the whole night and said, they're playing for you for Friday night, but they're also practicing for a competition tomorrow. And it, it, it was, it was outstanding. Like it was something I would have never seen because as a 39 year old man, I think I'm cool, but I'm probably not compared yeah. to what these 16 to 18 year olds are thinking. And, um, and that just, it's tough. It's tough to take your hands off of it because I've always been, It needs to be polished, perfect, all that kind of stuff. It has to be this beautiful edited thing. But then like Adam Smith, I'm sorry, Adam Harris. Adam Smith is an author. (laughs) Adam Harris, one of my good friends who uh, lives in Chicago, he takes his phone, turns his phone around and interviews a kid in selfie mode, puts a title on it and puts it out. And it's some of the best videos you can find in school PR because it's raw, it's real, it's authentic. And it's just a kid telling their story. Right. That's awesome.
3: I'm, I'm just such a big believer in, you know, students are the ones who are living this story. We're just sort of here facilitating it. Mm-hmm. And I know it's you guys' job to tell those stories. And I, I'm so happy that one thing COVID taught us in the shutdown was more schools need people to tell their stories when they don't have people like you in those roles. And so, but I think we're control freaks, right? And and uh, letting go of that power and letting kids, letting other adults also try and sometimes maybe fail, but I think they, I think they live up to your expectations when you set those expectations high, so I know you've shared some, some data on Twitter when you've turned over your Instagram to your students, and um, it kind of skyrocks, it skyrockets, I know it can hurt
1: your feelings a little bit as a <laughs> professional, but
3: yet it's so cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've seen, you know, we look at, it's, every time we've started this process in districts, we look at it, and we notice that everybody who's following the Instagram is the moms, because the moms are following the district to get information and they're following their kids to make sure their kids aren't doing anything crazy on their Instagram while they're all their kids have fake Instagrams that they're posting all their real stuff on. Right. So when, <laughs> so when you hand off the uh, the Instagram to a student and that student starts featuring their friends, they start sharing it. We just see like this exponential growth and that, that graph starts leveling out a little bit and we're noticing that we're getting more students and that's where we want to engage them. And then through that we get more interns because they want to be the ones to do that. So we go from a first year program with 22 interns where we had five people out of nowhere ask if they could be in it a couple of days ago. We've got up to 40 interns, and next year there could be 100 of them. Not that I don't know that we can handle that many, but that's more stories that we can tell that are right there for us to take. Um, but I think one thing is letting them fail has been a big lesson for us, but also for the student because that same girl who did so awesome thought it was a great idea to go live for the entire third quarter during the band drumline in texas the big thing is during the third quarter the drumline sits in front of the student section and goes nuts and she went live for 35 minutes and you couldn't hear a thing because it's so loud and distorted i finally went down I was like you, just stop like and you can like if you watch the live you can see me walk up and be like we're done here. <laughs> like this <laughs> this is over but um she learned that okay maybe that's not the time to go live but going live for the homecoming thing was awesome when when they announced king and queen that was perfect time to go live for five minutes maybe not 35 minutes of like blowing out your eardrums but five minutes of a king and and queen was perfect showing the band and she's now applying for college and is using us as references and things like that and we're getting people reaching out about what did she do so we have a portfolio that she's built to send off and she's I mean it's just it's a nice little a little empowering for them to, for the next level, whatever they do.
3: It's Very cool. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think that authentic audience is so key and we talk just a lot about how every industry, every job you go into is going to have some type of content creator. If you're a if you're a plumber making videos for YouTube, or you're a doctor marketing your practice or whatever it might be. So I think these kids, we we have to get them creating content for an authentic audience. And mm-hmm. as a former English teacher, I just think there's no, no better way. And sometimes they get a little bit of negative or someone, you know, even correcting, hey, you misspelled that. Hey, that's the wrong date. Hey, that's whatever. Um, and we've also noticed when students are posting to Facebook, where most students aren't, we're narcissistic. Humans are narcissistic, right? So when they're posting on Facebook, their moms are on there, their grandmas are on there. They like not only the stories about their kids, but when their kids are telling the stories, taking the pictures, taking the video. So I think that's pretty empowering too.
4: Yeah. Now, Erin, I want to ask you as somebody who's a student of of digital and marketing strategy, right? As you're thinking about this, this intense communication strategy, this whole concept of point of view is something that we don't always talk about in the context of social media because a lot of times we're broadcasting it out to this sort of mass audience, but it's absolutely critical for our success. And I I love to understand, you know, how you think of this this sense of point of view uh, when you're you're creating content and when you're empowering your team to create content. How do you speak about this point of view or persona or, or whatever language you use for it?
0: I had a conversation not that long ago with a professor and he said, your work in school communications is some of the hardest work in school PR or in PR. And I'm like, yes, you know, waiting for him to reach the point. And he said, well, not, not for the reason that you think, but because in any other realm of public communication, you are targeted, you choose your publics. So if you're an agency, you choose the clients that you work with and If you're launching specific initiatives, you're really drilling down to one specific or two specific target audiences. And working for public schools, we have everyone. We've got boomers, we've got Gen Z that don't even wanna acknowledge there's more than one platform. If it's not on TikTok, it doesn't exist. I mean, so we've got, we run the gamut. And then not only do we have all these different audiences but they all want to receive information in different ways. Your older kind of more, professional generations want things to look more polished. They want like beautiful, complete sentences, well-structured communication. Our students don't care as much about that. I was thinking about that kind of when you were talking, Justin, about your intern program and how it really comes to us to train them to be professionals, to communicate professionally. They, they have the engagement built in, but maybe they don't know how to do that kind of professional level of communication. So Ben, to your question, I, I think it's vitally important that we have to remember all of our different audiences. And we also have to understand that everything that we're putting out, we're, we're hoping to reach everyone, but not everything is for everyone. I mean, like, so our bond, for example, we're targeting voters. That's 18 and up. The only students that that has anything to do with are, are probably our seniors that have had a birthday. So we're going to structure that level of communication a lot differently than if we're looking for People to participate in our first, uh, our inaugural Eagle Give Day, where we're looking to give back to the community. Well, that's a little bit more targeted to students, and we might adopt a more playful tone on Instagram more so than we would on Facebook. Just trying to remember who is seeing it, where, and then of course targeting the times that we're pushing out information as well.
1: Yeah, we definitely can't work in a copy and paste world. Um, So we can't take a where some. Some PR professionals can do that because they have already mm-hmm. kind of niched down their audience when it comes to their channels. I mean, like, like Aaron said, we don't choose our channels our cha- or we don't choose our audience. Our audience chose us because they moved right. here. Um, so we can't just be like, all right, Facebook, copy, paste, send Twitter, copy, paste, send Instagram. Boom. We just did all three in less than five seconds and we're doing great because those are three completely different, Audiences, depending on how you're doing things, our our district people look at Facebook as a newsroom. Twitter is up to date. Like Twitter is, oh, you're on campus five minutes ago. You, we need to see that. Um, and then Instagram is slowly shifting to our students just showing off what it's like to be a student or a teacher in this district. So um, that's where I enjoy the strategy of it because it makes you step back and be like, okay, think as a parent. What do I want to see on Facebook? All right, think as a parent who's sitting in the car line at three o'clock scrolling through Twitter. I want to see what you did today. All right. There's eight posts, four posts, whatever that magic number is. And then, okay, it's Thursday afternoon at home. I'm supposed to be doing my homework, but let's be real. I'm on Instagram. Did, did the district put any stories out? Is it worth following them? Did they put any posts out today? Um, and just thinking of the different audiences are lining up there. And then TikTok, we haven't ventured there yet, but oh. um, not that we want to, but I think, I think, um, that's going to be a totally different animal when it comes down to it. If you decide yeah. to go that route.
0: <laughs> I, I agree. That's not something that we're taking on here. I, I know a handful of districts that are kind of toying with the idea. Ben, you've got some great um, TikToks that you have out on your own personal accounts. So if you guys aren't following, ben, <laughs> that's pretty
4: I follow you both as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I, I think there is like as as we as districts shift and hand over the reins more to our students, I definitely think that there's space there. It's not something I'm willing to do just yet because it feels, Jill, you talked about us being control freaks. We certainly are. That's like like if an Instagram takeover is like, "Mm, I'm a little nervous, but I can still monitor you, right? I'm okay with that. TikTok, it's like the wild, wild west. Like I'm I'm just not ready to take that on yet. But (laughs) if we are changing our priorities as districts, and I think a lot of us are, to- engage student voices and really like allow them to be our storytellers, we can't just be in our late 30s sitting at the district office and going, I don't want to do that because it feels too insert word here. We can't do that anymore. Our friend, uh, Justin Elbert in Klein ISD, two years ago, we had a conversation about how he keeps his DMs open on Instagram, something that I don't do for our district because it's just more than I can manage right now, and that he will always respond back within 24 hours. And he's built up some very genuine conversations with kids, with students, anything from I don't feel safe and I don't know how to ask for help to, hey, what's this coronavirus thing I'm starting to hear about? What do I need to know? When's homecoming? So that's really, really worked for him. And I think it goes back to that same thing, like how and why are we choosing to engage our students? And with all digital strategy, with everything that you post, what is, what's the end you're trying to reach before you go out and just start blasting information? What do you hope to achieve?
3: Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we've kind of hit our, hit our time limit and um, we've taken your time. We so appreciate both of you being here. And I always learn so much um, talking to you. Kind of wish we could all just go out for a beer now. From I agree. Wish we were all in the same uh, same area code, but thank you so much. Is there anything that either of you want to just add to close? Maybe even a quick tip or something?
4: Well, we need to put a final plug in for school PR yes. happy hour because while we don't get to have a beer together in person, we do get to have it True. on the podcast.
0: A virtual commute beer, right? That I is know. a virtual
4: commute beer.
1: Don't do that, don't <laughs> drink <laughs> it. <That> was terrible. <laughs> Well, I, I will say the, you know, the, um you know, the webinar is surviving and thriving in the world of school communications. I just want like the surviving part. You
0: don't have we're to be co- thriving.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're coming to a point in the calendar where you're going to get a couple weeks off. Um, take them. Yeah. Unplug, turn it off. If it's that important, they'll call you. If it is, they will pick up the phone and call you if it's an emergency turn it off, refresh because this link two years ago was the hardest year we've ever had in education followed by the next hardest year we've ever had. And we're currently in the middle of the hardest year we're ever going to have. And uh, that's just something I've been trying to, in in text messages with Erin, I think she's multiple times said, Justin, unplug and just go away. Like stop, calm down. Like, so that would be my tip. The surviving part of school communications is take these next couple of weeks and, and do that. Unplug. Refresh, survive, and get ready for a heck of a spring semester.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> great advice. Yeah, it is. It is good advice. I don't have any additional wisdom. Justin said it all. He likes to get out there first and say it.
4: <laughs> I'm here.
0: It takes all the good stuff. We, we will
4: stuff. take a great yeah. break. And uh, thanks for for helping us all wind down uh, this this school year. And we look forward to uh, to more coming next year. But in the meantime. Uh, I love the message of rest. So thank you both.
1: Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And then also always thanks for the support of the podcast and we'll be back January 15th.
0: (laughs) With an awesome interview, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, it's yours. Yes,
0: it's going to be great.
1: (laughs) All right.
2: Well, there you have it. Another episode of School PR Happy Hour. I hope you enjoyed this recast of the webinar put on by our friends at Class Intercom back in December. Aaron will be back with a great show in two weeks and I look forward to having a new guest on with me March 1st. Until next time, let's try and be a little bit better at our jobs every day.